Welcome to the Lighthouse Community Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope today's teaching will encourage you in your faith and help you develop an increasing desire to walk with God. Let's listen in. Well, there you are. Good to see you all here this morning. My name is Matt. I'm one of the pastors here, and it's great to, to be in front of you. If you're somebody that's actually made it from first service into second service, the double caffeine coffee we brewed this morning is clearly working, so I'm glad that you're, uh, you're a part, part of us. Uh, we're in the third part of this series we're doing this morning, and uh, we're going to be looking at the question of why did Jesus have to die? You ever thought about that question? Why did Jesus have to die? So let's jump in. For those of you who don't know uh, me, I was, I was born in Phoenix, Arizona, and I lived there most of my young life until I was almost 25. Uh, but growing up in the 80s and 90s in Phoenix, uh, uh, there, was, uh, there was one professional sports team in town. And uh, we had that one team, there, there all the stuff that's there now, the other professional teams that are there now, uh, they all came after that time. Uh, so at the time, there was that one team, uh, the basketball team, Go Suns, uh, and there was also a minor league hockey team. Uh, and if you've ever known hockey, anybody here hockey fans? Hockey fans are great. So it's, it's actually a really great thing. But minor league hockey is even better uh, <laughs> because you watch these guys, and a lot of those guys out there uh, really have something to prove. So the Roadrunners were the hockey team there. And I remember in my teenage years going and watching the runners play. Uh, and the level of intensity that these guys would play with uh, during the game, uh, I, I couldn't exactly nail it down, but I could tell you that they were playing for something more. <laughs> and maybe it was just to prove their weight or to prove that they maybe belonged in the NHL or whatever it may be. But what I did was that, what it did was it created a sense of really high emotion for the players. Players are on the ice and they're doing their thing, and, and the sense of intensity uh, for the fans. And what this tended to, 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 to look like was a boxing match, and a, 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 you go to a boxing match and a hockey game would break out. And the Roadrunners were, one of the things I remember one year, the runners did really well in their division, and the fan base got really excited. Got really stoked and excited, and it's minor league hockey, uh, that kind of thing. And, I, and I'd sit in the Coliseum in Phoenix and just marvel at the level of excitement and energy uh, that, was, that was generated uh, in that place. It was deafening at times. You ever been in a place like that? In the University of New Mexico, which is another place I lived for a while, they called it the sixth man during basketball. The Seattle Seahawks call it the twelfth man. I know, I just used a curse word in church. But they, they called it the twelfth man sort of thing, where, where they, the, the fans are so involved, they kind of feel like they're a part of what's happening. This is this phenomenon. And I remember times when I just look around the arena and just be amazed at the frenzy of activity and the frenzy and the fanatical behavior over a bunch of guys chasing a chunk of rubber with sticks down the ice. Some of you hockey fans are really upset with me now, and I'm okay with that. But as I sat there, I wonder why they cared so much. I wondered why I cared so much. And I get it. The same cynical view could be said about any sport. But in view of eternity, none of this really mattered. None of it did. It didn't matter much at all. And yet I sat there and cared, and I screamed with the rest of them. We identify so closely with our favorite teams. When they win, we include ourselves. We won! But when they lose, it's they lost. We find ourselves identifying strangely. And I think the reason for this is found in a single word. The word is vicarious. 
vicarious, living vicariously through somebody else or taking on the identity of what someone else is doing so that we can identify in that way. And there's a sense of that. We're living out of reality through people we watch playing the game. And there are some people that do that through their, through their kids too, dare I say. And as we watch others play the game that we cannot, or maybe we should not, we still share in the joy and the benefit of identifying with these people. And the word that really describes them is this word vicarious, and it's also what happens to us with Christ. Even though we did nothing for it, we still get to be identified with Christ in what he did. Us living vicariously through what Christ did, and it's not even, I think vicarious doesn't do justice to what it really is, but identifying with him, we are part of what he's done. We wear Jesus' jersey, and Jesus says, it's okay, you're identifying with me. Just like our favorite teams, we did nothing to win, but it's still our win, isn't it? Jesus said, you did nothing to win, but it's still your win. And when we see Jesus died, his death was effective for taking care of what keeps us from God. Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We've all sinned and fall short of what God's glory is. This means that we're all sinners, and this in both by birth and by choice, we're sinners born into a sinful world, and every day we choose to lead ourselves and put Christ to the side of leading our lives. We call this sin, self-leadership, of stepping into the place of us leading and God being pushed out of the way. Romans 6.23, it begins by saying, for the wages of sin is death. Stop there for a second. I'm not telling you a verse that many of you in this room don't know, but I want you to stop there for a second. It says, the wages of sin is death. What we earn for sin is death. We deserve to die. Well, I'm passing some encouraging words on this morning to you, but the best part of this verse is it doesn't stop there. It says, for the wages of sin is death, and then it says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let that sink in for just a second. The gift of God, something God gives us, is a gift called eternal life. What an amazing gift that is. What an amazing gift that is to say that I get something from God for doing nothing. He did everything, and suddenly I deserve, and I get, I get that gift even though I don't deserve it. You see, the problem is that a holy God can't look on our sin, and it separates us from Him. This goes back to the very beginning in Genesis chapter 3. You've got two creations, Adam and Eve, that God made. And the serpent tempted Eve, and, 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 she, she, and she sinned and gave it to Adam, and, and he sinned as well, doing the very thing that God specifically told them not to do. And in the latter part of Genesis 3, God tells them that the punishment that they had earned for this sin was separation from God. In fact, he goes very specific to Eve and says, here's what you're going to get for it. You're going to get pain in childbirth. You're going to be, have desires that are contrary to your husband. And he gives this list of things that are there. And he looks at Adam and says, Adam, here's what you're going to do. You're going to be working by the sweat of your brow. You're going to be digging in thorns and thistles, and it's going to be hard. It's going to be backbreaking work that you're going to have to go through. And he said, that's where it is. And the world is broken now and fallen into a place that is separated from God. But this separation creates a problem because God is holy and God is perfect, and we are not. And based on what I just read in, Rome, what I just read, uh, in, in Romans chapter 6, we will die 
unless something happens. I think we all know what death means. Death means that we cease to exist. And yet inside of Christ, eternal life begins at the moment that you say yes to Jesus. He took death from us. This is why Jesus died. Not why he died, but it's why he had to die. Exodus 34, in verses 6, the second part of verse 6 and 7, it says, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. <clears throat> and, fa- and, and faithfulness, keeping, yeah, keeping let me try this again. Yeah, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty. To be true to his character and nature, he is all of the above. He's merciful. He's gracious. He's loving. He's faithful. He's forgiving. Need I keep listening? We can go on forever and list who he gives. But it also says that God is wrathful. And just. It's a terrible thing to fall into the hands of a wrathful God. We can read about, about what this wrath looks like if you look at the pages of Scripture. In fact, if you want to know what the wrath looks like, read the book of Nahum. You'll see what God's wrath looks like. It is terrifying. And so for each one of us, to be fair, God is truly holy, and then His wrath is an understandable quality that's born out of anything that is contrary to His holiness. If he's something that is contrary, wrath would be the response that he has. So he's both. He's wrathful against sin, but that leads to a God who is just. He's a just God. And in his justice, he must punish sin. So he did. He did. He must punish sin because he is just. If he wasn't just, he would just let it go. And in the eyes of humanity, there may be many ways that Jesus could have accomplished this. But the reality is is that Scripture teaches there's only two ways that this could have been accomplished. The first way would have been by letting humanity pay the penalty for the sin themselves. That would have been the first way that, that that could have happened. And it would have been totally just for God to allow us to endure the suffering. That would be just on ourselves, the full weight of his wrath for our sin. Well, let's go down that road for a quick second. Justice for sin would be us eternally separated from God. Justice for sin would be exactly what we deserve, exactly what we have earned. And to be honest, it would have been right for God to do that. But this is where, this is where justice intersects with love. It's two things. It's justice, but justice intersects with love in this point because in his love, he didn't do that. He didn't do that because he loved us. He chose another way. First Peter chapter 2 says this, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live in righteousness. righteousness. By his wounds, we have been healed. Great words for us, encouraging words for us. And the only way that sin could properly be addressed was through a sacrifice that was perfect, a perfect sacrifice to appease a perfect God, a God that requires justice for our sin. The only way to do that was that. So this is where Jesus came in. He was the perfect sacrifice. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. 
That's it. He became the sin that we are, but he knew no sin. He never sinned once, but he took that sin on himself for you and for me. You see, that's God's truth that requires a payment, a reconciliation with, an atonement for the ways that we've fallen short. When we miss the mark, when we do things that fall short of it, when we, let's fill in the word, sin. We understand justice to some degree, but we don't like it when it's applied to us, though, do we? However, if we're honest with ourselves, we know that if justice isn't served, there's no law in the land that will stand. I was in college, maybe high school. Uh, at some point in life, it like stop runs together. Uh, but I was, I was there, and I lived in Phoenix, Arizona, and there was a lake just north of Phoenix called Lake Pleasant. And I'd been to Lake Pleasant many, many times. And in, in my, my travels there, I was going fishing there. It was really late at night, um, probably later than I should have been out. But as I, as I went to the lake there, I knew where the entrance was. But as I drove up, there was this gate. I knew where this, I knew that, that road goes to the lake. So the gate was open, right? So I drove through the gate, and I went in, I went fishing, and I didn't catch anything, of course. But I came back out, and on my way out, there was a, it was a park ranger that was parked right there at the entrance, and I thought, well, I hope I didn't do something wrong. I knew I did. I mean, I saw the sign on the gate that said, no trespassing, this is not the entrance, but the gate was open, right? So I had to go through. So I went through the gate anyways, came out, park ranger saw me, he stopped me, and he said, he said what are you doing? I said, I'm just going fishing. <laughs> I wasn't fooling anybody came out and he wrote me a ticket and I actually that is the that is a crime. It's a misdemeanor in the state of Arizona. I'm a I'm a convicted misdemeanorite. I don't know if that's the right word or not, but I but he wrote me the ticket and said said this is what you get you get. The park ranger hadn't cited me. That would have been unjust. It would have been unjust for him not to cite me. And because of and, and because of love for me didn't didn't even play into his his into his response or into the equation. All he saw was the need for justice. That's his job. I'm so grateful that God sees my sin differently. So God grateful that God sees me differently. When we confess our sin, the Bible says that He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Wiping away my immorality, my wickedness, well, my sinfulness. God fully and finally punished sin by putting it all on Jesus, who met the requirement of a perfect sacrifice. Would you trust a God who let sin go unpunished? Would He truly be God if He didn't punish sin? No. The answer is no. And I'll tell you this, that's why Jesus had to die. To pay that penalty that I couldn't. Let's pray. Father, thank you for sending Jesus. Because in his perfect sacrifice, I am forgiven. And Lord, anybody who calls on your name, on the name of Jesus, will be saved. Lord, even now, I pray that maybe there's someone here in this room that has never, ever responded to that message. And Father, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would be at work in them now, and maybe, maybe you draw them to yourself right now. And let me just ask you in this room, maybe you have never said yes to Jesus. 
And that message of what Jesus did for you is hitting you where it hurts right now. Respond in this moment. Say yes to him. I receive you as my forgiver and my leader. Thank you, Jesus, for what you did for us. And it's in that name we pray. Amen. If you'd like to learn more about Lighthouse Community, check out our website at mylighthousecommunity.com or connect with us on Facebook. You're invited to join us live Sunday mornings at 909 or 1111. Thanks again for listening to the Lighthouse Community Podcast.